Okay, but to hear my conversation with our equity CIO, Leslie Marks, we talk all about the hot jobs market in the U.S., layoffs in the technology sector, stock valuations, and what people mean by soft landing. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be back with our Chief Investment Officer of Equities, Leslie Marks. Leslie, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here once again, Matt. Uh, I thought we'd start today's conversation by talking about the jobs number that came in in the U.S. Uh, on Friday. Uh, it came in at uh, over half a million jobs being added to the economy. That's a really big number, much above any uh, economist's expectations. How should we be thinking about that? Well, there's no question that the U.S. labor market is extremely hot, and that January number really confirmed that. I think that really surprised everybody. It was much greater, more than double expectations, and unemployment is now at a 53-year low. So when you think about uh, where we've come from over the last year, the idea that uh, unemployment would be a 53-year low at this point in time, especially since you know we're seeing so many headlines about layoffs. Also, sure. I think just really, really shocked people. And you know, the other interesting thing is <laughs> we're all searching for that reason uh, around the strong jobs report. And when you look at the payroll gains, um, they were really broad-based gains mm. in factories, retail, even construction, which has been hard hit um, with higher interest rates, housing in particular, and restaurants all added jobs. So it was very broad based, the strength in the labor market. So it's clear that the higher interest rates that we've experienced since the beginning of 2022 have not really done much to cool hiring. Right. Um, and I know that there's lots of commentary and, and certainly the focus of the markets uh, over the past year uh, and maybe a little bit longer than that has been inflation. Um, and and these types of uh, record employments, uh, I think that they feed concerns that inflation will continue to go. What's your view on, on inflation and then also the, the Fed reaction to that? Well, I think that obviously... Um the jobs data, I mean, it may not feed directly into the inflation numbers, but uh, it is still translating into pretty strong wage growth. Now that has slowed a little bit, which is good. That's given people some optimism around the path for inflation, but um, higher wage growth eventually makes its way into the pricing of goods and services, uh, more services than goods. And so It really, you know, if you're a central banker, the Federal Reserve specifically, when you're seeing that hot labor market, it makes it very difficult for you to think about um, pausing from here and and even, you know, the potential that some people think, which is that in 2023, that we're going to see a full Fed pivot. So I think that the higher um, uh, jobs numbers, the stickiness of the labor market, I mean, we can look at that and say there's there's maybe a few reasons for that. One is the labor participation rate, um, which, of course, the Fed would be looking at also is still about a percent below the pre-COVID level. So there's a little bit of slack there. Uh, Not a lot, though. Um, But, you know, you know, I think what's really going to be interesting uh, as much as I commented on the Fed 
is going to be the policy, the extent of policy divergence between Canada and the U.S. from here. Hmm. Because we heard two weeks ago from Tiff Macklem that um, the Bank of Canada is pretty definitively on hold. And that's not what we heard from the Federal Reserve. So that was sort of the first hint of divergence. And then yesterday, uh, Governor Macklem, in an interview with Bloomberg, confirmed what many suspected, which is the reason uh, or the motivation behind the Bank of Canada standing pat here, is really about worries about Canadian homeowner debt loads, which are certainly um, quite high and, and relative sure. to other, uh, the highest amongst the G7 countries. So we heard that from Tiff Macklem on the same day that Jerome Powell said that the Fed may need to keep interest inc- uh, increasing interest rates to quash inflation. Interesting. Um, and what impact would that have? I, I'm a Canadian investor. Uh, you know, we invest broadly in, in RSPs or the like. Um, so if the, if we see this divergence between the Bank of Canada and the Fed, what might that mean for portfolios or or the economy as a whole? So it means a couple of things. Probably the first that the average Canadian will feel that in is related to our currency. If our policy starts to diverge in the sense that our rates are lower than global interest rates as they keep rising, uh, the Canadian dollar will start to weaken relative Mm. to other currencies. So it's sort of a relative central bank policy issue. I think, um, you know, the, the other thing to think about is what is the appetite for policy divergence? Is it 50 basis points? I mean, right now, I would say that's the path we're on. If we're right. pausing and the expectation is the Fed is going to move two more times at 25 basis points, um, if the Fed ends up continuing to go, does that drag the Bank of Canada into increasing interest rates from a competitiveness perspective on, on uh, interest rates? So I think those would be the two things that I would focus on, the Canadian dollar, and um, do we get pulled into higher interest rates than our economy can really withstand? Great. Uh, moving back, I guess, to the jobs number. Uh, the other thing that was surprising about sort of that uh, large number is if you were reading the headlines coming into that report, it was all about layoffs in the technology sector. Um, and uh, and to add to the counterintuitiveness of this, uh, we, we not only saw layoffs in the technology center, sector and what seemed like um, um, disappointment from those firms, but then their stocks rallied tremendously <laughs> over, over the month. So how should we be thinking about that? Yeah. So there's there's really two drivers here. Uh, one is um, I, I think, you know, it goes without saying that generally we've seen weak earnings from the technology companies. And when you hear layoffs and often those layoff announcements are coming before the announcement of earnings, that's kind of a foreshadowing of right. what's to come uh, with respect to earnings. So you think about that and you say, well, that's sort of forecasting a weak future. But on the other hand, um, in low capital businesses where uh, you're employment is the majority of your expenses, that also speaks well for the future and future technology earnings. So it's sort of ironic, but the the market has actually liked to hear about the layoffs. I I do want to tie it to the jobs um, number, though, because this is, you know, by all accounts and all the business journalists are talking about this, you know, how can we be seeing such strength in the jobs market, yet every headline is about uh, technology firm layoffs. The reality is that the technology sector is a pretty small part of the labor market. And so while the headlines are big numbers, in aggregate, when you roll them up together, um, that's not a big uh, number impacting the jobs market. I think when we think about an increase in unemployment, 
what we're looking for is layoffs across the manufacturing sector and more broadly in the economy where we have a higher concentration of number of workers. So um, we don't want to sort of extrapolate big headlines and say, oh, well, that should turn into millions of job losses in the U.S. economy or, or the Canadian economy. Um, but definitely, you know, confusing uh, data points. You know, the other thing that's happened uh, so far this year is we've seen this move in I would call it more of a risk on trade and a focus right. on investing in all the things that didn't work uh, last year and high growth technology shares have definitely been the beneficiaries of that uh, trend. You've even started to see people focused on meme stocks again. Um, cryptocurrency bitcoins had a huge move this year. Um, mm -hmm. People that sort of disaggregate the uh, quartiles or quintiles of stock performance will say that the bottom quintile of stock performance from 2022 are the top uh, this year uh, so far in, in the five weeks year to date. So we've seen, you know, a big rotation and some have even described it as more of just a short covering. Um, there really isn't a strong fundamental reason um, that money should be flowing in an extreme way into high valued or high priced growth stocks other than, um, you know, the technical oversold aspect and potential short covering. Interesting. Um, and maybe that all goes some of the way to solving my next question, uh, which was all about valuations and, and the money coming back in. Uh, and then remembering our last conversation, I think, which was all about your uh, annual outlook uh, with, the, with the Blue Book. Um, and uh, if I recall correctly, uh, you had anticipated sort of weaker uh, earnings, uh, a slower uh, economy in the first half of the year. Um, and we've seen parts of that, but we've also seen stock markets, as I said, rebound uh, quite substantially. Um, you know, are you sort of going back to your your initial forecast and or are you, you're questioning the validity of that or, or where do you stand now? Oh, Matt, there's just so much there. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the end and then you okay. might have to remind me about the beginning. Sure. But um, the short answer, are we going back to revisit our forecast? The short answer is no. Uh, we really believed that we would see something between a soft landing and a mild recession this year. Um, I think based on what we've seen so far in the labor market and um, I would say overall improving expectations for economic growth um, for, for a bunch of different reasons. But uh, China's reopening is a big part of that. That mm. really is a good boost to global economic growth. And when we um, first uh, drafted the blue book, we didn't have that additional piece of information. So that's right. one new piece of information, which would push us more towards the soft landing. But I would say in general, um, that backdrop uh, remains the same. Um, our view towards uh, equities and bonds was neutral, but our big call in the equity market was uh, to favor sort of an anything but U.S. equity market. And right. um, actually, as it's turned out, all markets have been quite strong year to date. Mm -hmm. And um, the global markets outside of the U.S. have outperformed if you're not including the NASDAQ, but say the S&P 500, which is a more general benchmark, and certainly the Dow, which has lagged. Um, so, so far, uh, I think our relative call in the equity market has been right on and we expect that to continue. And um, so, you know, no major change uh, in our outlook for the year. I think the area where we've been surprised has been the early strength in markets. And again, that ties back to my earlier comments around 
um, not really understanding why we're seeing this rotation into high valued growth stocks and more right. speculative things in, in the market, which again, I think is, is a short-term phenomenon. We're starting to see some exhaustion around that. And yeah. it's really in, in um, a, a disconnect between uh, the, certainly the messaging that we're hearing um, from the Federal Reserve uh, and, and, you know, the old adage, don't fight the Fed, like the Fed sure. is saying, you know, we're, we're committed to higher interest rates, higher for longer, and there are more increases to come. And yet the market thinks that they've got it wrong and has, has a different view. We're more in the camp of the necessity to hold interest rates higher. And that really plays into valuation. Maybe I'll conclude with maybe a bit of a naive question, but um, sometimes it, it makes sense to revisit some of the terms that we use frequently. Um, and you hear the term soft landing bantered around a fair amount. What does soft landing mean to you? Like, I assume that it could mean a variety of different things, but they describe the world of a soft landing, say, in the back half of this year. Yeah, so soft landing for us means low, very low growth but not a material change in unemployment. So unemployment okay. might go up, you know, 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3%. Sure. But we're not talking about, and I'm just referencing US unemployment. We're not talking about going from three and a half to four and a half percent, which would be more of a hard landing. That would be millions of jobs lost. So we're talking about um, potentially, you know, some sectors being hit harder than others. But overall, when you aggregate and roll up the economy, um, zero growth, moderately positive growth, but you would feel like sort of a lack of optimism about the economy, but right. you wouldn't be seeing, you know, for, you know, what we've seen in other uh, recessions for rent signs anywhere, massive layoffs, broad based um, downturn type dynamics. Um, and, you know, I think you, you, we'd have to see uh, price stability as well. We've seen prices, um, as, as we all know, uh, moving higher over the right. last uh, 12 to 18 months significantly. We know that part of that was supply driven. Um, those issues have been resolved. Um, and then on the demand side of the equation, uh, we wouldn't expect demand to completely fall apart, but there are in a soft landing scenario, but there are pockets where demand has really been borrowed from the future. And right. we, we all know, you know, where those are. That's, that's the Peloton world. That's the, um, you know, what we're seeing in the technology sector. We all know the companies that really benefited during um, the pandemic. And th those would be the areas that we expect to see greater softness. Perfect. And in the scenario of soft landing, if I uh, take that and extend it, you expect inflation to come down uh, maybe. And what are your expectations, I guess, in that scenario? Does it come down all the way to two? Is it sort of range bound? Uh, what's your what's your view? So we think that getting down to two is going to be difficult. I know there is a school of thought that thinks, you know, once inflation is on a trajectory, it just keeps moving in that direction. It's a bit right. of inertia. Uh, we think that based on the tight labor market, it's going to be very difficult um, to see that come down to that 2% or lower level that we've become accustomed to. And so I should really connect that to what that means for valuation, because today, Right. Um, stocks are trading, um, certainly in the U.S., at uh, fairly high values in the context of where interest rates are. And so um, what we need to see is inflation to come down, interest rates to come down, and that will help uh, boost valuations and give 
a more optimistic uh, outlook for equities. And that's really the the um, the thesis that we were going with in, in the blue book was that the beginning of this year, uh, the first half would still be challenged by higher rates, higher for longer as people started to reset and realize that getting down to 2% wasn't going to be as easy as going from nine to six, and then recalibrating in earnings, which I would say the latter part we're already starting to see. We've seen about, uh, I would say, we're kind of halfway there in the revisions for earnings to what we okay. would expect um, based on the Q4 or 2022 earnings reports that we've seen so far. But we think there's a little bit of room to go. Finally, we've just tipped into negative expectations for year-over-year earnings growth in uh, the U.S. Yeah. and Canada's kind of flat too. So from peak from peak expectations for 2023, we're down about 11. percent um, A typical uh, a typical recession could see 25 to 30 percent. Now. You right. asked about a soft landing. That's another area we would expect to see something uh, more modest in an earnings decline than that 25 to 30% range. So we think it could be 15. There's a little more to go uh, sure. in the earnings downturn in the soft landing scenario. Well, that's great, Leslie. Thanks for taking time to, to walk through that. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we see a soft landing as well. It sounds like uh, not the, the worst uh, world that we can expect. So uh, thanks again for spending so much time walking us through your thoughts. And I can't wait to have you back on the next one. Thank you. It's great to be here as always, Matt. content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.